0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Donald Miller, for joining me. Um, I appreciate you taking the time, and I know we don't have a lot of it, so I'll dive right in. Um, my my first question is sort of about the book. Obviously, you just uh, published a brand new book, and you've written quite a few. Um, and I think I mentioned in my email to you that a million miles in a thousand years was a was a pretty big deal as far as a book for me. It's actually why I became a writer, and it was wow. sort of the idea that if you're not happy with the story of your life, write a better one, right? Like live a better uh-huh. life. And that book was, I think, 12 ish years ago. Yeah. Um, And I think if I remember correctly, the first book that sort of gave you a platform was like almost 20 years ago. And it sort of seems like the trajectory shifted like five years ago. And I'm curious how you, you know, what it was that happened so that you ended up here with a book that, I read it over the weekend that you suggest could be more valuable than a business degree. Like there's a, there's quite a shift there and I'm just, I'd love to hear how, what happened five or so years ago. And I'm making an assumption that it was five years ago. That's sort of when the book, the genre of books shifted.
1: Yeah. Well, before I ever wrote uh prayer in the art of Volkswagen maintenance or blue like jazz, I was actually president of a small publishing company. So I had, I had a little bit of business experience there um and that was a a series of happy accidents led me to that position i mean i started in the warehouse somebody quit i'd move up somebody got fired i'd move up i don't think (laughs) the actual owner of the company realized that i was the president of his company (laughs) but it was and it was a small operation so i would had a little bit of business experience and then while i was while i was managing that publishing company i wrote a book and that book didn't sell enough copies to get any kind of attention uh but then the owner of the company that i ran Put the company on the market and sold it. And so at that point, I was out of a job. I started my own publishing company. So that was my second, uh, opportunity to run a company or to experience business, if you will. Uh, and then I wrote a, another book at night that ended up spending 40 weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list. So early in my career, there was, there was a, a fork in the road between being a bit running a business and being an entrepreneur, if you will, and, and being a memoirist. The memoir took off and, and you know, when so when a book does that, it kind of takes over your life for a period of time. So uh, and I and I, I I enjoyed it immensely. So I I wrote a series of memoirs and then and then by about the sixth or seventh memoir esque kind of book, because I wouldn't call them memoirs, but uh, the publisher you know came to me and said they wanted another one. And and to be brutally honest with you, Jason, I didn't have anything else to write about. <laughs> there was nothing. You know, I I just. Uh, if, if you write your eighth memoir, you're, you're definitely a clinical narcissist. So uh I, I just I'm a regular narcissist, not a clinical narcissist. And so I stopped at seven. Well, then well, something interesting happened. Accenture uh, came to me and asked if I could take and explore some of the ideas surrounding narrative structure and create a project management curriculum. And I did that for them. And that got me thinking about narrative structure and what it can teach us in business. So that led to writing, building a story brand, that book sold half a million copies, which is, which is pretty good. And I built a marketing education company, uh, helping people clarify their message that took off. It, It scaled pretty quickly past $10 million. And at that point I'm now running a company and I, I kind of used the same mind that created the marketing framework to create a management execution framework, sales, uh, mission statement, guiding principles, you know, a robust, even a how to grow a business curriculum. And pretty soon I had a suite of business curriculum. What I, what I realized pretty quickly was that because I didn't go to college, uh, that I thought about business very, very differently than people who'd been educated and gotten an MBA or something. And the way I thought about it didn't make me sound smart, Jason, and it didn't help me look successful. But then when I, you know, business has a scoreboard. And when I compared what I was doing to people who were more educated than me, I I felt like my scores were pretty good. And the score is literally the owner's checking account.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) At
1: the at the end of the day, so I decided to create this learning and development company called Business Made Simple, that is a blue collar. I don't care if you went to college. I'm not trying to help you look successful. I'm you know, I'm trying to help you make money and grow revenue for your company, and that's kind of the spirit of of Business Made Simple, and I've enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I, and I, I will say that you know, used to
1: people would. Come up to me and say hey your book really changed my life and you know you helped me live the live differently and that was always really meaningful to me. Um, I was literally at a coffee shop this morning getting some writing done and somebody somebody's handed me a full page handwritten note about how much their company has grown. And I I really do believe that 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 note means as much to me as the old comments about blue like jazz. And uh that even though it, it's much more pragmatic and certainly red blooded capitalist it still means a lot to me
0: well and it and in some ways though the impact on real people's lives is the same right like i have got four kids that i would like to leave some kind of a legacy for and that require all the things we want to do with our life they all just take money right it's not just about the money but they do it does matter running a successful business means that you can do the things in your life that you really want to do right
1: yeah, that's true. And then even on a grand sort of philosophical level, um, you know, the American experiment in free market dynamics is the greatest experiment in the history of the world at reducing poverty. And, and every, you know, what everybody in the middle class has in common is they're not poor. Right. And, and, and if you can actually grow the middle class, which it's, it's, proven through data, that the way to grow the middle class is to help small businesses become medium sized businesses, or help people run small businesses of their own. Um, so I, I really see it as a mission. There's a paywall right now in America that if you want to be a business person, uh, a successful business professional, you've got to pay a university an enormous amount of money and go into debt. That paywall is crumbling as we speak. And I, I enjoy being one of the many thousands of people uh throwing a hammer at that wall.
0: And I, I'm i glad you shared, you know, all of that, especially about kind of the story that got you here. I think a lot of ink readers can relate because uh all of them have started business. I shouldn't say all of the readers, but our core audience are people who started businesses, entrepreneurs, and I think what often happens is that there's someone who is doing a thing because it's the thing they've always been doing, but they realize that there's something else they'd rather be doing. And so they start a business. And I'm curious what you would say to somebody who's at that point in making that decision, you know, both in terms of what you've learned about running a business, but also going back in your mind to when you were faced with that decision. You know, what, what would you say to those people?
1: Well, you know, my story is really the answer to that question, and my story is my dad left our family when I was two years old. My mother never made more than $20,000 a year. Uh, we grew up in poverty, and uh, I, I, remember, I remember vividly in junior high standing in line for government cheese in a welfare line being scared to death that somebody would see me from my junior high. And, uh, I'd never get a date again or <laughs> never date anybody because I never had one. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and then my first job was Pie Pie's Fried Chicken. My second job was, uh, Kmart. My third job was, uh, I was a delivery driver for a Chinese restaurant in town. My fourth job was Radio Shack. I mean, there was nothing, nothing until I was 24, 25 years old that hinted at any, any ability to do business or any kind of success. And so when I got that job at the publishing company and within four years was president of the company, we were also the fastest growing company in our sector. And I realized I had an intuition about business. And what I, what I think we're missing in America right now is the, the inspiration or igniting of entrepreneurial imagination and people who have, uh, who have identified as somebody who, who's not intelligent or somebody who can't do business or, you know and I think what I love about ink readers is they're so incredibly practical at least the the, the writing and the content in the magazine and the online platform is so practical instead of uh, philosophical that I think ink readers completely understand that idea and uh and so I would see myself as somebody who um, somehow got around the paywall and and not just the paywall with the university system, who by the way, are massively innovating and partnering to disrupt their own universities. It's a beautiful thing to see. And, uh, so I'm no, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the university system. I think for 80 years, they've kind of had, you know, a, a racket going, at least in terms of business degrees, but they, they, they now, they now know everybody knows it's a racket and they're having to change. And like a good business, they're innovating. Right. So, you know, that's a good thing. But I think um, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I wrote this book, I wrote Business Made Simple. I just spoke to 350 leaders at uh, the third largest construction company in the, in America, or third largest uh, concrete company in America. And uh, a lot of those guys don't have degrees and they're running a massively growing company. They're they're perfect picture. Of what blue-collar executives can look like, and and you don't have to have read a white paper on trade with China or understand how complex venture capital deals work. You know what I mean? Right. You don't right. Have to do that. You don't have to do that to be worth hundred million dollars. Right. You don't even yeah. have to be worth billions of dollars. So, uh, I hope that that not only is this disrupting the um, caste system in America, uh, it's going to destroy that caste system. And open up competition within the job market, and people with degrees, they don't have a golden ticket anymore.
0: They're going to have to compete, right. and it's going to make the whole country better, the whole economy better. You know, in, in my experience with talking to people who read Inc. And, and just business owners in general, there's there's often two types of people who start a business. People who are passionate about something, and then they, it becomes a business, for people who are like, I want to run a business. And if that's the case, like go buy a car wash because it'll generate, right. you know, continual income. That's great. What I love about this book is it seems to me to be, it'll benefit both, but it's definitely geared towards the first, you know, I, I want to do this thing with my life, but I don't know anything about business. Give me, give me the tools in this that's book. Exactly it. And it gives you sort of a 60 day process where, you know, you read something every day and there's a video. And obviously, 60 days is a lot shorter than going to B school. But in a world like at our house, we get antsy waiting for the next episode of Mandalorian because Netflix just taught us to binge everything, right? And so I, people who are passionate about doing something that they love and are turning it into a business probably fall into like the binge watching group. And so I'm curious if you have, is, is there a benefit to saying, no, I'm going to take 60 because like I read the book in a weekend because I, we were having this conversation and obviously I, I so I didn't have 60 days. But I'm wondering, there's a lot of people who are like, I don't have 60 days. I need to do this now. What would you say to them? What's the benefit of going through the process? Well,
1: on on day one, you can read all 60 entries and watch all 60 videos <laughs> on the platform. So if you want to binge watch, uh have at it. But I also love the idea that for 60 weekdays, we're going to be emailing you so that that while you're binging and getting ahead, you're also going back every day and being reminded of certain business principles. So... um you know, th- I wrote the book in the way that I learn, and that is short, memorable ideas that I can apply immediately, uh, you know, micro learning. And, uh, and so I I hope that that's, that's beneficial to, to, uh, everybody who reads it, uh, you know, we really want to sort of, um, almost bombard we we're, we're in a culture of absolute information overload. And, uh, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be, repeat things. You've got to keep them short and you've got to do them over a long period of time in order to get the osmosis learning going. Yeah. And uh, hopefully that this book uh, lead,
0: leads people to that. So I have one last question because I promised you 15 minutes. So I'll let you decide oh, how we can Okay. 20 minutes. So okay. Minutes. Well, I won't take that much. Um, but this, you know, people who listen to this podcast. Uh, generally are people who were working remotely, often for the first time this last year, right? They, They didn't have a choice, right? Either they got laid off, so they started a business from home or work sent them home with a laptop and said, now the thing you used to do in your office, you do at home. And obviously you run a business, you write books, writing books is something you can probably do relatively easily working from home or coffee shops or wherever. But if I understand correctly, your business involves in the past a lot of in-person events, right? And I interviewed Brian Halligan, who's the CEO of HubSpot last, I think, October, and it was right before their big inbound conference where in the past they've brought, like, thousands of people to Boston, and they were launching it online last year, as everything was. And one of the things he told me was that it forced them to change things that probably should have been changed anyway, and that some of those things are going to stay that way. So my question for you is over the past year, what are some of the things that changed for you, both in terms of how you ran your business and personally that you hope stick around?
1: There were many lessons. Uh, the first lesson came in, uh, establishing a vision and unifying a team around that vision. So, uh, when the pandemic hit, when we realized we were going underground, if you will, um, I gathered my team around for one meeting, one last meeting. It was March 14th, 15th, right in there. And I said, listen, in October, you know, the reality is, I said, listen, the reality is we are 80% dependent on people getting on airplanes, flying to Nashville, Tennessee, and sitting in a room. And that's a stark uh, reality that we are going to have to deal with. And I said, in October, I, I put a date on the calendar, October 1st. I said, in October 1st, Uh, everybody in this room is going to get together in person uh, and we're going to toast to the fact that nobody was laid off and nobody had a decrease in pay. And that's the goal. And I need ideas from everybody in the room on how to, how to make that happen. You know, I get choked up uh, just thinking about it, to be honest with you. Uh, We, you know, there's 30 people on my team. We really like each other. You know, we've seen kids get born. Uh, we, we've just seen, we, we lost one of our own uh, last year in a tragedy. And uh you know, we are just tight knit. And I thought, well, you know, we can sell the house. We can do what we need to do. And that team said, you know, people have been wanting us to go to a live stream. We've not wanted to invest in the technology because it's a little foreign to us. We've never done it. We don't know if we don't know what to charge for it, but, we aggressively put together a plan, and you know, quadrupled the number of people at our next event. We 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 reduced the price by two thirds, and uh, long story short, we saw the company grow by about twenty five percent in revenue, and about thirty percent in profit. And so we we actually hired people, <laughs> you know, during that time. And, and and I know that's a common story. and, and on October. Second, I think we couldn't do it on the first. We did it on the, the day after. We all got together with masks on and stood out in an open field and raised our glasses of champagne and said, we did it. And, uh, and now, and we're continuing to go. So, so that was the first thing was to actually set a vision of the ship is not going to go down. Uh, that's thing number one. Thing number two is to ask the question of the staff. How? You know, I didn't fully know and, uh, but I've got a smart team. So that was, that was, number one. Then the second thing that we learned that will stay, that will stay with us forever is, you know, a a 9am director meeting every morning followed by a a 10am department meeting every single weekday morning kept this company alive and made us even more productive than we were before. And, And we realized that when we were in the same room, we weren't communicating very well, but when we had to communicate well, we did and we learned and adopted processes that allowed us to do that. So, uh, That was that's a very practical thing. uh, But that's one of the things that kept the company alive. And then the other thing was, you know, we've learned last year that disruption is actually an incredibly good thing if you can be innovative and move and change. And so this year we don't need to disrupt anything. We're going to keep everything the same. And we just got together and said, no, let's disrupt it again. Let's just pretend there's a pandemic. Let's change everything again. And that's what we're doing, and we're having a fantastic time doing it. And uh, and the company is incredibly proud of what they've accomplished uh, as a team, and I'm incredibly proud of them. Uh, so you know we're just going to keep changing and going. And uh, and and uh, but we I think the pandemic has been really terrible for a lot of people. We realized really quickly that you know if we can help some small businesses stay alive, uh, this is a, an incredibly incredibly important mission. And the people who did what we train them to do. That is create sales funnels, collect email addresses, pivot your message, pivot your offering to the new pain point and culture. Those, those businesses made it. And, uh, and w- we hope to keep, uh, offering that kind of value to our clients.
0: That's great. So in addition to getting the book, where can people, I know you're pretty active on Instagram. Where can people find you if they want more of this?
1: I'm Donald Miller on Instagram, but you, you won't get a lot of business advice. You'll get pictures of my dogs, <laughs> uh, which I think is, is terrific value. They're really cute dogs. Right. Uh, yeah. But you can find out more about everything we do at businessmadesimple.com.
0: Great. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you very much. It was an honor to talk to you.